and also we sent some invitations to other dignitaries, but they weren't able to be here. But you're here, and we're glad about that, and uh, it is good to gather uh, on this uh, great, great occasion. Just before I just share a few thoughts from God's Word with us tonight, I just want to say, because we may not get opportunity over the course of uh, the next few weeks, but just thanks to, to Julie and also to the, to the team, and also to Kerry, and uh, where's Kerry? Kerry, 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 and the choir, and also to Kev and to Annie, because they've practiced loads. And so the different items, singing items that you see, we just think it just comes together. It doesn't. There's a lot of time that goes involved in it. So I wonder if we could just show our appreciation to all those people who serve us so well at this, at this time. <clears throat> If you have a Bible, I wonder if you just turn, to, turn with me to Luke in chapter 2 and verse 4 through to 7. And it may be that they can get it on the screens just while I just introduce some thoughts tonight. And then we're going to read it uh, together. You know, in a minute we'll, we'll, we'll read it. It's, it's quite challenging, I have to be honest, preparing Christmas messages You may say, well, it's easy. Well, actually, it's not as easy as you think. When you've been doing it for many, many years, which now, I know I don't look old enough. I've got this new hairstyle. Do you like it? Does it mean you're pretty? It's just, you know, your wife says I look quite, oh, was it? Yeah, I think she did. She said, you you look young. She's looking a bit dodgy now, actually. But uh, no, she never says that about you now. Well, there you are, you see, Sharon. But the reality is I've probably been preparing messages, Christmas messages, Honestly, for probably the last 20 years. And you may think it's an easy thing, but actually, you try and come up with something new and fresh. But what I wanted to do tonight was just strip it back and just read the scriptures and just share a few thoughts, if that's okay. So if you're pretty new to church, then I'm going to take the Christmas story, and you'll have heard some of these things before, but I just hope that they'll come with real freshness to you. If you're a Christian and you've been in church for years and years and years and you're thinking, oh no, well, here's another Christmas message. I want you to have your heart open because I really believe that the Lord will speak to us if we have our hearts open because he wants to share some fresh insight into the Christmas story. So Luke in chapter 2, verse 4 through to 7 says this. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David. Because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. For some of you ladies who've had babies, you'll know that babies come when they want to. Do you know what I'm talking about, ladies? Some of you do. Do you know what I'm talking about, ladies? They come when they want to. You can do all you want, but they will come when they want to. I was thinking about our kids and the different times. I mean, Annie was, um, was early. We needed to bring her on. There was a reason why that. So she was three and a half weeks early. I think Eleanor was late, which is pretty typical of Eleanor because she's always late. We cannot get her out of bed in the morning. And uh, where is she? Is she around? So right, she was giving me some after my message this morning, so she's doing all this to me. She, I'm just getting my own back time. 
and uh, Isaac was late as well, and I can't quite remember about Lilia actually, but anyway, they come, they come when they want to, but it just so happened that um, Mary was due to be with child, but then while they were traveling, and as they arrived at Bethlehem, the time came for the baby to be born. Now, many of you know that this was no ordinary baby. This will take your head, and we're not going to go here today, but it was miraculous because God's Spirit impregnated Mary. You may say, are you one of those people that believe that? I do passionately with all my heart. I believe the Bible. She was a virgin. She was a young, young lady who probably was scared out of her wits with God's message to her. But God saw this young woman and there was something about her. And she was the chosen vessel to bring birth to God into the world. The Bible tells us that God was, you know, Jesus was fully God and yet laid down his Godhead and became humanity. He became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And this virgin Mary was carrying God. And she gave birth to God. What an amazing thing that she gave, you know, gave birth to God. But there are three things that I believe that we need to take from this story tonight. So I don't want to jump ahead of myself, but I just want to say these three things very simply. Because God came into the world. And the first thing that I think we should understand is this. That God came and identified with the world. When I talk with people, the one thing that they want more than anything else is for you to listen to them. Do you know what I'm talking about? Because we live in a world that's so fast-paced and everybody's on an agenda and everybody's so busy. But sometimes all people want you to do is just sit with them and hear them. And they want you to identify with them. And when Jesus came into the world, he came to identify with the world. God came and identified with the world. You may say, Christian, why are you saying that? Well, I'm saying it because there was an identification that God didn't come in a palace. He didn't come in, you know, a grand, you know, kind of establishment. He didn't come in a country pile, a country estate. He could have done. That could have been the plan of God, the Father, to send his son. And you think he would. The God of heaven who created the universes would actually send his one and only son, his most precious son, and he would want to make sure that his precious son is well taken care of. You know, because I don't know about you, I've got kids, and I want to make sure that my kids are taken care of. You don't want them struggling. If, if you can help them, you wouldn't want them to struggle, would you? Any parents... And yet, you could look at it and see God the Father, and instead of placing his son into a plush, luxurious environment, he actually sent Jesus into the world, and he knew it wasn't by chance that they were going to be traveling to Bethlehem, and he knew there was going to be no room at the inn. He knew all this because it was all part of the story that he wanted to tell 2,000 years later, because what God wanted to say is, I identify with everyone. Because I don't see many people here who've come from a line of royalty. I don't. 
I don't see anybody here who's uh, related to Her Majesty the Queen. I don't. I don't see the many great and good about... I'm sorry if you think, well, I am actually great and good. We're all great and good in that sense, but none of us are from a line of great, you know, heritage and royalty, etc., etc. And what God was wanting to do was identify with the world. He wanted to identify with you and with me. With just normal people, normal folks, from normal backgrounds. He wasn't born in this palace. He wasn't born in a great city. He was born in Bethlehem. I've never been to Bethlehem, but I understand it's just a little bit out there. There's nothing to it, really. It's not Jerusalem. He was born in Bethlehem. And some of you might think to yourself, why would God be interested in me? Because God is interested in you because he identifies with where you are at. Where you are at today. With all your fears, with all your concerns, with all your cares, he identifies with you. He understands, he sympathizes greatly with you. And Jesus was born into humbleness. He was born into lowliness. He identifies with us. He identifies with us as well because he was born as a baby. You may say, well, of course he is. But there was a vulnerability to a baby. And particularly a vulnerability at that time because we didn't have King's Mill. They didn't have King's Mill on the doorstep. That's why there were so many babies that were lost in that particular age. And you go back even a hundred years, there were people having lots and lots of children because, of course, there was in, the, in this country there was no contraception, and that's what happened. And there's people who were born in big families, but I guess for, I don't know what the mortality rates are, but I guess there were, there, it was it was it was uh, great in, in that you know there were people who probably have six kids and two of them would die. Yeah, even my own dad you know, would, was, was one of how many? Seven. But one died. There's one that died. And that's going back, well, I shouldn't really say, should I, Dad, actually? But, you know, a few years. So there wasn't King's Mill around. There wasn't hospital care around. And God was identifying with us the vulnerability of, of the world in which it was. God came and identified I want you to just really let this register in your heart. I'm laboring this point because it's very important. God identifies with where you are at today. He really does. He understands your fears. He understands where you're at. The second thing that I see from this story is this. That God came into the world even when the world didn't want to welcome him. God came into the world even when the world didn't want to welcome him. Because there's an interesting verse, line in there from Luke 2, and we've read it together. Just at the end it says, when she'd given birth to him, she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. We've all seen the kids' story, haven't we, where they're knocking on the inn door. Any room, mister? No, there's no room. So they go to the... Have you seen all in the kids' play? Any room, mister? I'm sorry, there's no room. But we've got a barn. Oh, we'll have the barn. And then the next thing is you've got this Barbie doll or whatever popping out. And it's, you know, oh, wonderful. But the reality is, when Joseph and Mary were traveling to Bethlehem, it's very, very clear. The Bible's very intentional in how it was written. It says... They were born, he was born in a manger 
because there was no room available for them. You see, in that particular time, God still came even though the world didn't welcome him. There was no room available for Jesus. It still feels much like today. Because again, when I talk to people, they'll make statements like this. I haven't got time for Jesus. I'm busy doing my thing. I'm busy getting on with my life. At Christmas, we can't possibly come to church and just really, you know, celebrate the meaning of Christmas as we saw at the very beginning. Because I've got a works due to go to. I've got this thing to go to. I've got that thing to go to. What they're basically saying is this. We've got no room for Jesus in our lives. If I can talk to the church people at this particular point, may we never get to that point where actually Christmas becomes about everything else. And I love the do-do-do-do-do's, all that, Julie. I love all that. I love all the Christmas fair. I love the hot and turkey, pork and everything else. I love all that. I love the decorations. Aren't they wonderful? I, I, love, I love the presents. I love all of that. I really do. But wait, may we never, ever forget the reason of Christmas. Because very often, if we're not careful, we can actually come to the point where he comes knocking on our doors and we say, Jesus I'm sorry, I'm so busy with what I'm doing, I've got no room for you. Are you hearing me this this evening? You know, you might be here and you're not a believer, and your life is full of other things. I want to tell you that Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart, because he wants you to welcome him. It's interesting also to note that they didn't just welcome, didn't just want to welcome him, but they were also, worse still, there were some people trying to kill him. Because the story rolls on that there were some wise men that went and they saw the star, you know it, and they were from the east and they started to follow this star and they knew that what it meant was that the Messiah had been born and the first point that they went to, they thought he's got to be born in this palace. So they went and visited Herod and told him everything. And of course he wasn't there because he wasn't born in a palace he wanted to identify with us. But as a result of that, Herod thought there's no chance I'm letting this little man out of my sight. If this is true, I'm going to make sure we get him. I'm going to make sure we kill him. And interestingly, there are people who don't just welcome him. There are people who would like to kill him. Even today, you may say, well, how can you? There are people who are wanting to kill the faith in you and in others. There are people who will ridicule you. There are people who will say all kinds of things about you. There are people who will laugh you down and scoff at you. I want to tell you, it takes great guts and great courage to be a Christian. It really does. Because there's people who, are, who, will have, who have all kinds of things that they want to say. I don't know what it's like in your workplace. But there are people who say all kinds of unkind things about you being a Christ follower. But Jesus came into the world to identify with the world, even though the world, the world didn't want to welcome him. And the third thing that I noticed from this story is this. And the third thing I want to say is that God didn't just come to the cradle, but he also took hold of the cross. 
You can't take the Christmas story and just work it through from the point of it just being about the cradle. That's part of the problem. It goes beyond the, uh, the cradle to the cross. I read this morning at our Ilkeston campus, completely different message this morning. But Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through to 12 in the message says this. When the angel came to the shepherds nearby and they said to them, don't be afraid. I'm here to announce a great and joyful event that is meant for everybody worldwide. A savior has been born in David's town. A savior who is Messiah and master. This is what, you look, what to look for. A baby wrapped in a blanket and lying in a manger. You see, God embraced the cradle, but also took hold of the cross. There's, a, there's another part to the story. We know that he lived his life. He was born as a, from a virgin, as I've already said, born in a manger. Grew up to be the man that he was. Did wonderful miracles over that three and a bit year period. But then the people who initially loved him and received him, they were the same people who had him hanging upon the cross. They had him hanging there. I read recently, this week actually, it's interesting, because he was wrapped in cloths in the cradle, but he was also wrapped in cloths in the tomb. Because it reads in John chapter 20, And verse 6, Simon Peter came along behind them and went straight into the tomb. Because from the cross they took him to the tomb. And he goes on to say, and he saw the strips of cloth lying there. As well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The, The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. I found that interesting that we see the cloths in the cloths in the cradle. And we also see the cloths in the tomb. I also got thinking, it really got me thinking because I thought, well, he was born into something borrowed. He was born in a borrowed manger. He was born in a little, probably makeshift kind of, because of course it was quite handy because Joseph was a joiner. So he was able to knock something together and he laid there in this manger, borrowed. But it's also that he was laid to rest, the same Jesus, in a borrowed tomb. You see, you can't separate the cross from the cradle. The cradle speaks of the tenderness, gentleness, and love of a father. And the cross speaks of the father's commitment, forgiveness, and grit. I once heard somebody say this statement, the cross is bigger than your mistakes, bigger than your regrets, bigger than the secrets you hold. The cross stands above it all. The connection between the cradle to the cross is out of love. God came into the world But as he hung upon the cross, it was the love that took him to the cross. It was a love for mankind. Because he recognized that actually without the dying of of the perfect, unblemished Savior, there was no way of reconciling man back to God. You see, the reality is we're all sinful, and we've all messed up, and we've all got it wrong, and we've we've all displeased God. The Bible says we've all fallen short of God's requirements. We've all missed the bullseye of God. Even the most righteous amongst us, we've all got it wrong. And God knew that. And that's why he sent Jesus into the world. So Jesus hung upon a cross to reconcile you and me back to God. There was a way to God. 
And that is the message of Christmas. That is why God came into the world. Jesus came into the world out of love. And he came to give us hope. I want to conclude with this. I mentioned it this morning. There are many people in the world, and it's really struck me afresh, who live without any real sense of hope. And they live without any real sense of a future. I've said this to you before, church. Just open your eyes, literally, as you walk in, in the street, as you're driving in the car, and look into people's eyes. There's a sense in which they are lost, and they don't know where to go. There's a hopelessness that surrounds so many people. They're in your workplace. Sure, they'll be okay on a Friday night, on a Saturday night. They're okay when it's the end of the month when they've just been paid. And they might be okay over Christmas because it's just, well, something to look forward to. But you look at them across the year, and there's just a sense in which they can't get their head around why they're here. They can't make sense of their life. And there's no hope. And just as bad, there's no future. People are just on the the wheel of life, just working, sleeping, eating, working, sleeping, eating, working, sleeping, eating. Oh, we'll have a holiday, but then working, sleeping, eating. You understand what I mean? It's that kind of thing. But Jesus came into the world. Jesus came into the world, not just to give us love and forgiveness, but also to give us a hope and also to give us a future. And that is the message of Christmas. In a nutshell, I'm sorry if it isn't all jazzed up, but that is the message of Christmas. God identifies with us. He understands us. Even though the world didn't welcome us, he still came in. And it wasn't just about the cradle, but it was also about the cross. And it was his love, his great love, his unconditional love, his passionate love towards each and every one of us. I'll conclude with this. You might be here tonight. You might say, Christian, that's all well and good. I've done what I need to do. I've done my penance, and now I don't have to come for another year. Because that's how some people think. I want to tell you, his love will still pursue you. Because even though you don't love him, he still loves you. This is the message of Christmas. God's love. God's gift of hope. God's invitation of a future. I wonder if we just bow our heads this evening because I want to pray. Maybe that you say you're one of those, I've got, I can't make room for Jesus or I haven't been making room for Jesus. But just as I've been talking simply, nothing complicated just trying to explain just a number of things from this passage. The overriding, underlining thought is that God so loves and so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, into the world. And his simple invitation to each and every one of you is will you make room for me this evening will you make room for Jesus will you allow Jesus to live in your heart will you live for him
Will you allow him to give you that hope and a future that you so long and you crave for? Sure, you can try and find it in other places. I want to say very respectfully, sir, madam, you won't find it. It's only as we come to Jesus that we find our life. And tonight, in this attitude of prayer, as every eye is closed and head is bowed, I simply want to give you an invitation. We do it each week here at Arena. Unashamedly so. We may say, Christian, would you count me in this prayer? Because I want to know Jesus. I want to go on the journey of faith. I want to receive Jesus into my life. I want to make room for Jesus. If that's for you tonight, without any embarrassment, I want if you just lift your hand high so I can see it. And then put it down again. And I want to pray for you. Thank you. Anybody else tonight? Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else tonight? would simply say yes to Jesus. There's no trickery. There's no sense of embarrassment that I want to bring to you. I believe that Jesus is just speaking to hearts tonight. Just simply wants to just love you. Wants to give you a hope and a future. So that you're not just existing, but to give you a fullness of life. If that's you tonight, sir. If that's you tonight, madam. I wonder if you just quickly, just raise your hand where you are. And in a moment, I'm going to pray. One last time. Lord, I just pray for those hands that have gone up tonight. I just pray for each of them. I don't know where they're at in their life, but they've said that they want you in their life. And I just pray, Lord Jesus, Lord, that you would draw close to them. Lord, that they would know that as they confess their sin, as they accept you as Lord and Savior, And as they make room for you in their lives, as they empty themselves of of, of themselves, and as they allow you, and as they give you room, Lord, that you would do something truly spectacular and miraculous. The Bible declares that people will go from darkness into light. I pray that that's what will happen tonight, at this moment, that people will step out of darkness and step into light in Jesus name in Jesus name the light would come on in their hearts and that they would know that they've been forgiven and they would know that you are the savior of the world I pray Lord for people tonight who feel hopeless who feel lost people who feel vulnerable People with full, full of fears and anxiety. People who aren't looking forward to the next few days leading up to Christmas. I pray for each of these people. That you would help them. And Lord Jesus, I pray for those who are really struggling here tonight. They would begin to open up to someone else who can help them. Who can pray for them. Who can encourage them. And Lord, together, together, we will see our hearts all filled with hope. And we ask this in Jesus' name.